Good to see everybody. Welcome in. Y'all sound good, by the way. You sound good. Not that you don't sound good any other, but it was better today. No, I'm kidding. It, it was great. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. And as you are turning there, I should remind us all that it is April. And uh, coming up in April, obviously, is Easter. And we look forward to that on the 17th, 8.30 and 10.30 here at Lindsay Lane. We hope you will come and invite others to come with you on Easter as we do what we do every Sunday and preach the Word, the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, there, there are big things coming up around the corner. We know we have VBS Roundup that's happening in the gathering space where we're signing up leaders for Vacation Bible School, one of the, the largest, uh, most missional efforts of the entire year, and we need your help to pull that off, and uh, we thank you for how you volunteer already. Um, but, but also want to let you know that as we are approaching Easter, uh, we'll have prayer services on Wednesday nights leading up to and even one after uh, our Easter services. So I hope you'll be here Wednesday night to pray with us. If you've never been to one of our prayer services here, there's just something special about it when, uh, when the people of God are praying. And this becomes a house of prayers. It always should be. And I uh, look forward to that on Wednesday night with you. Uh, but also our Easter egg hunt is this Saturday at Tanner High School. And uh, we hope you'll come out and uh, bring people with you from 10 to 12 as we're praying for God to do a great work there um, in the future, however he would. And so uh, thank you for, uh, once again, for being here and for being a part of what we do and what we do together, together for the glory of God and the good of man. Uh, last, uh, yesterday we had an, an opportunity for our, our men to come out and participate in a work day, and we got a lot done. Um, we, we're propping Lowe's up because we bought 8.5 million bags of mulch. And um, it's going, no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but uh, but anyway, we, we had a good time together and uh, because this is our church. We're working together to, uh, to do the best we can with the resources that we have. And so we're so grateful uh, that, that we can put it together for people like you that come in and worship here together. So we're thankful for that. I do want to point out that we have a, um, a new place for uh, first-time guest parking. People reserve spots online uh, when they're looking for a church, and we have uh, provided a place for them to park towards the front. So if, if you'd be so kind as to leave those spots open, uh, in the following Sundays, we'd appreciate it as we're trying to be as hospitable as we can to our first-time guests, and uh, we appreciate your cooperation with that. Uh, and I'll hush now, but I just there's sometimes you got to do some house cleaning things, and want to make you aware of those things as we work together for God's glory. And uh, in Colossians, we're going to begin a new series for the month of April. Uh, Easter Sunday will be a little bit different as we'll get away from this series uh, in particular, but. For three out of four Sundays in uh, April, I feel like the Lord is leading me to preach on heaven. So we're going to preach on heaven for the first two Sundays of April and then the last Sunday uh, in April on heaven. As we think, we all think about heaven. We all think about the afterlife. I used to teach eighth grade world history, and it's amazing how every civilization that has ever been has a thought on the afterlife. And according, even now, according to, to the, the Bible, when we look at God's word, the eternal state, as we seek God for truth, the eternal state that we will all exist in will be the experience of eternal life or eternal judgment. That's what you will find in the Bible. In John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, those terms are plain, that there will be eternal life or eternal judgment for every person ever. And that is the reality of the afterlife. And Jesus spoke plainly about both heaven and hell because this is the biblical truth for all people for what is to come. And because it is, it is certain that we should study it for biblical value. But for this series in particular, 
I'm going to assume that we would rather be in the eternal position of life and fellowship with God rather than death and separation from Him, so we will focus on heaven. A recent study found that three out of every four adults living in the United States believe in heaven. Regardless of religious affiliation, three out of four believe in heaven. And that may or may not be of interest to you. It may or may not be of surprise to you. But what caught my attention from this survey that I studied is that the fact of what was written after it. It said this, the survey did not immediately offer a definition of heaven. Though subsequent questions explored what respondents think heaven is like. You see, this is what we all do. We all think to ourselves what heaven must be like, what must take place there, or even what we hope happens when we get there. And so while most people, three out of four, and this is probably a pretty good stat for most people, there's some people that don't think anything happens, that you're just annihilated. Boy, there's a lot of hope in that, isn't it? But three out of the four Americans even would suggest that there's heaven, even though they may not know the truth about what God says about it, they just have the hope of what they feel about it. So what do we think heaven is like? Why is that a question that piques our interest? Why is it a question that entertains our thoughts? Well, first off, because there is a mystery element. Because, don't get me wrong, the Scripture has plenty to say on heaven, But as I see it, as I flip through the pages, there is no video link that we can click on that walks us through the elements of heaven. Sir, there is this this mystery because all of our answers are, are, are not given. All of the questions are not met of what we will do, who we will see, what we will experience, what will be there, what will not be there. And the scripture says of heaven in John chapter 3 verse 13, no one has ever gone to heaven and returned except for one. Amen. But no one has ever gone to heaven in return. So the topic of heaven is one that provokes wonderment because none of us have experienced it. And even if we did, the mystery of heaven is not for us to reveal. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, that he had an experience with heaven to where he, quote, heard things that were so astounding they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. That's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. So with that in mind about heaven, I want you to consider this perspective. I read this this week. It is clear that the Bible is primarily intended to provide light for our present path. At the same time, a sufficient glimpse is given unto glory that is to come to beckon us on in our life of faith. So one of the reasons we ask this question is because there is mystery that has not yet been revealed. Secondly, the reason why we're entertained by this thought or why we ask the question of heaven and what it's like is because if we're honest, we all have our own personal hope of what it will be like. Uh, I, I was subbing in for a group this morning. We were talking about that. One of the couples in the room said that their son had mentioned that he hopes there's baseball in heaven, right? That's awesome. And of course, I'm thinking to myself, like, will there be errors or in heaven or (laughs) do you ever get out? Like, those are the questions you start, you start to ask. This past week of spring break, we were, we were having uh, lunch and all together as a family and uh, burger and fries type deal. My son's eating fries and my daughter looks at him And she says, how good are those fries? He's like, they're good. She's like, scale of 1 to 10. 
How good are they? He goes, I don't know, eight? She's like, why just an eight? Why not a 10? You know, like, I don't know why, what this, where this conversation's going. But Davis looks at her and he goes, I don't, I don't know. These are not like heavenly fries. They're good. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> but you see, how we, you see how we do that with a lot of conversations? Like, we have heaven as the pinnacle. This is what we think it's like. There will always be grand slams where we score. There will always be fries that are impeccable. Perfect, just how we like them. So we all have these thoughts. When I was a kid, I, was, I always wanted to go see the Harlem Globetrotters play. Always. And, and, but listen, I didn't want to just go see them play. I wanted to see it as I saw it on TV. I wanted to sit in the first row. And I wanted to sit beside the team. And I also wanted to be the kid whenever they stopped everything and brought attention to the court, they would be like, hey, buddy, come on out here. And I would run out there along with the Harlem Globetrotters, and they would involve me in their high-flying basketball skills. And then they would take a bucket of confetti that's pretending to be water, and they would be like, hey, everybody look at this, and then they would throw it on the official, and I would laugh because I knew it was confetti because I'm sitting by the team. Like, I wanted all of that. I wanted that whole experience. But as an adult, I realize that you really have to pay a lot of money to sit close to the team. Like, that was the hope of what I longed for to suit my interests. This is the reality of what is. You're going to have to fork out money, and there's no guarantee that the Globetrotters, even if you're sitting by them, are going to pick you out to come on the floor for the bucket of confetti. You see, there's, there's hope of what we want, and then there is truth of what it is. And that's what we're going to look at today when it comes to heaven. We all have these hopes of what we hope it will be like. And if we're honest, usually those have to do with us. And they have to do with our preferences, and they have to do with our connections and our relationships and what we hope for. But there's a reality of what is. Heaven is no different than anything else. Heaven is not what anyone hopes it to be. Heaven is what God determines it to be. That's, that's what we have to take today with us. And I promise you, at the end of this, no one will be disappointed. It is what God has purposed it, what God determines it to be. There is truth about heaven just as there is truth about anything else. And we are not the author of anything. God is. And here's the truth we're going to focus in on today that I think you'll see in the Scripture as you read it and study heaven. A biblical heaven does not just include Jesus. It has everything to do with Jesus. A biblical heaven does not just include Jesus. It has everything to do with with our Lord and Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, as we open your word, as we study Spirit of God, would you make it plain, convict us of your righteousness and our unrighteousness, bring us, Lord, to where we need to be. Lord, if there are people that are not yet guaranteed the promise of heaven because they remain within themselves, Lord, today I pray that they would reach the end of themselves and call on you, Lord, as you are still fulfilling the promise of heaven. We thank you, O oh God, for your love and care for us. We don't deserve it, and you don't have to, but that's who you are. And God, we're grateful for your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to make four points about heaven today. First of all, heaven is beneath Jesus. Heaven is beneath Jesus. What do we mean by that? Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, the Bible says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and notch, watch this, and is supreme over all creation. 
Jesus is supreme over all creation. Notice that word in Colossians 1.15 where it says supreme over all creation. He's over it. Heaven is beneath him as a created thing, as a created place. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, fully God. Jesus, the very image of God, the Bible says, is first before and presides over all of creation. If your translation says that he is the firstborn of every creature, this does not mean that Jesus was created. No, this means that he is the hand of God, not from the hand of God. Jesus is the creator. Firstborn of creation means that he is supreme and means that all creation exists because God exists within himself. Make no mistake, Jesus, as the scripture says, Jesus is God, one with the Father. He is first. He is authority over all that exists. He is supreme over all that is. And he determines, because he is, the design for everything that is created, even heaven. If you look in chapter 1, verse 16, the Bible says, For through him God created everything, where? In the heavenly realms and on earth. So Jesus is not just through heaven, and heaven is not just for him, which we'll look at. He's over it. He's running things, even in heaven, as all things that are created by him are under him. One may look at a painting in an art gallery. If you've ever been to an art gallery, you see that and you see people as they stand back and they take it in. And according to one person and their interpretation, it may have a deep emotional connection as they have concluded what this is about. And as they see it, they think, man, this is deep and it touches my soul. And then the person standing beside them may think, that is a chaotic splash of paint. I don't know what you're talking about. And so there's interpretation that is left between the two people that are looking on. The one that created it knows what it's for. The one that created the painting can tell you exactly what the interpretation should be. Even if it's up to your interpretation, he would have determined that. That that is up to you. Or no, this is what it means. So just as we see creation this way, just as we would see a, a picture of art, a painting, a sculpture where everybody is determining what it is, the creator knows what it is. And as Jesus has created everything, he is over it and determines what it is to be, including and especially heaven. It's up to Jesus. Now, I know we want to see our loved ones. Listen, I'm in that camp with you. I'm no different than you. I absolutely think about that. I know we want to see our loved ones. I know wonder, we wonder what it will be like. I know we even have hopes of what we hope it will be like. But before we hope for what we want, we must give way to who created it and who is over even heaven. In fact, the verse that got me started thinking about heaven and this series to begin with is that verse we all know and love out of Matthew chapter 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples before he gave the Great Commission, he said what? I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So Jesus has the say-so, the authority in heaven. Who's getting in is according to who he says is getting in. See, that's how much authority he has. All authority. What it's going to be like is according to what Jesus says it's going to be like. And see, if, there, if there's this check in our heart where we're like, well, gosh, that's kind of, I don't know about that. That right there is an indicator of where our heart is. And if we are seeking what we want, 
or we are seeking the creator of it all who's going to let us in. So check our hearts as we determine what heaven is like because the scripture teaches us in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 that heaven is beneath the Lord. Heaven is also through Jesus. Colossians 1.16 says, For through him, for through Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Through him teaches that nothing came into being apart from Jesus creating it. And that includes heaven. Everything that is created through his power and ability is created through him. Meaning that Jesus is not just over creation, but all of creation, because everything owes its existence to Jesus, acknowledges him. Because creation is through him, everything that finds its being in the creator will acknowledge that creator. Creation or heaven is through Jesus. How many of you have ever seen The Masked Singer? Anybody ever seen that on TV? Right, y'all don't watch secular TV, got it. All right, so for those of you, no. So if you've ever watched The Masked Singer, this is a show where a celebrity is dressed up like some kind of character or creature to where you cannot tell their identity and then they will sing a song, and usually they're put on the show because they have a, a pretty good voice at least. And they will sing the song, and they are showing off their singing voice. And sometimes there will be like this, this one or two people where they're singing, and to the delight of the, the whole entire audience and even the judges, their voices are astounding and beautiful. And everybody's like, oh my goodness, who is this? But you see, it's not enough for them just to enjoy the song. They want to know who's singing it. Does that make sense? They want to know who is behind it. Who is behind this beautiful expression? And then after that, what happens is T-Pain in a monster costume reveals that it's him. And we thought it was just auto-tune when he's singing, all I do is win, 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 no matter what. <laughs> and he's got this amazing voice. So we that are hearing and seeing and feeling the expression, what? Even more, we want to know who the expressor is. For what reason? So that we can acknowledge them. So that we can give, what? Glory to them. You see, creation, everything in the heavenly realms, the things we can see, the things we cannot see, all of this was created through Jesus by his power and his ability and just as creation, the things we can see. Think about the things that we can see. At this summer when you go to the beach, when you see the sunset, when you see the snow on the mountaintops, when you see all of the majesty of creation, just as those things are meant to turn our attention, when you see the beauty of a small child, when you see the, the innocence of a small child being baptized, just as those things are meant to turn our attention to our Creator as we were made through Him. All of those things in Psalm chapter 19 verse 1 teaches that those are to make Him known. All of that is to bring glory to God who created people, who created the world. So when we see the majesty of creation, it is to acknowledge God. But also the Bible said the things that we can see and the things that we can't see. None of us in here can see heaven, but we can understand it. We get it. 
and we long for it and know that God has made it a place that the Bible calls paradise. So because he has, rather than trying to pick it apart for what he should and should not include, we are to give him glory for it because he is the expressor of that expression. So heaven is beneath him, heaven is through him, and heaven is for him. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, everything was created. Look at this again, the last part of that verse. Everything, everything, we're looking at each other. Everything was created through him and for him. You see, so, so when we start thinking about this eternal life that is heaven, this, this final state where we are in paradise, the Bible says, just know that even that really not about us it's it's about the lord why would you say that well that's what the bible says everything is created through him and for him that means that jesus is the goal of everything that is created even heaven so as we think of ourselves our loved ones and the hope of heaven the goal of heaven is not god's service to man it is man's service to god be good for you to write that down. The goal of heaven is not God's service to man, but man's service to God. When John in Revelation, we all want to study Revelation, right? We think about the end times, what's going to happen. When John in Revelation considered all that was shown to him, everything that, that God was allowing him to see of future events and all the majesty of heaven and all the glory of God, in chapter 22, verses 8 and 9, it says, I fell down, John says, I fell down to worship the angel who showed all of this to me. I fell down to worship the angel that showed all this to me. But the angel said, no, 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 don't worship me. I am a servant of God just like you and your brothers, the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in the book. Worship only God. Everything is not just through him, it is for him. And if you are like me, it's about right now where you find yourself a great guilty distance from God is to closest how you should be. Lord, have mercy on us as we get so wrapped up in our lives that it is all about old number one. It's all about us. When in eternity, all of this will be about the creator, the sustainer, the sender, the savior, who is Jesus. Revelation features these glimpses into eternal life. And it very much features throughout worship. And if, if worship seems something to us like, uh, I don't know if we're that interested in that, or I don't know if we really have ever experienced worship. Y'all, we worship all the time. We worship all the time. We fall over ourselves. At what? At all the things that we value the most. Our children, ball, celebrities, opportunities, money, these are the things that, that are trying to divide our loyalty between our eternal God and Savior. We worship all the time. We fall all over ourselves. And I keep saying that again because I want you to get this picture as we move forward. We give ourselves away to. We move our schedules around because we adjust our lives to what? To the things that are over us. The things that hold this superior connection to us. We truly worship all the time. Now, as I go into that, don't take that personal unless it's personal. Amen? And I'll let God's Spirit sort that out. But I am 
I'm not a fan of this next illustration I'm about to give you. I'm, I'm not a fan of the connection that it makes as I've studied it, but this is what I've learned this week. The word worship used in Revelation chapter 22 gives the idea, illustration, or the meaning to kiss like a dog licking his master's hand. Now just get that visual. To kiss like a dog licking its master's hand. That word worship refers to that idea. We have had this silly dog at my house since Christmas time. <laughs> and the Lord keeps bringing up these illustrations with this mutt. And y'all, he's, kind of he's still kind of a puppy, so he's cute, but he's super annoying, super annoying. And every time we get home, y'all know this, and some of you people love pets, and I, I get it. I don't really get it. I'll just be honest. It's okay. We don't have to agree about everything. Every time we get home, every time we get home, this dog acts a fool. He, seriously, he falls all over himself. He sees us. He comes running. He's on a chain thing, and so when he comes running, he just jerks him back. And what does he do? He does it again. Why? Because he is enamored with us. He is totally reliant upon us. We, are, oh, I'm not. Brittany and the kids are his master. I'm not really over him, but, but this is the way that he acts. He is beside himself when he sees his master. This is worship. And I'm afraid sometimes we can't get there. Just truth be told. I'm afraid that every single Sunday we come in, we've got so much to think about when the clock strikes 12, whatever it is, when we get out of here. That we've got so much going on in our life, and our life is wrapped up in our life, and we call it our life, and we thank Jesus for getting us into heaven. Worship's one of those things we do when we go there on Sunday and we sing, if we sing with a heart and attitude of worship. And when I see this illustration, that the, the word meaning of, of what this means in Revelation chapter 22, it really begins to work on my heart. Like, is this the way that you view Jesus? As your master who you are totally reliant upon and your life revolves around when he shows up? Like, this is what the word is to the church today. And truthfully, this is what heaven is for. For those who are totally reliant upon God, for even being in heaven, to without distraction, and watch this, with full realization of what we've got. Full realization of who he is. To fall all over ourselves, undignified, before the Lord who created us, forgave us, redeemed us, and fit us for eternity. I believe in heaven, we're finally going to get it. That's what I believe. I believe in heaven, it's all going to come together. And all these questions that we have, at the end of the day, God's going to make it all right and all well. But I think we're finally, finally in that eternal state going to understand what worship really, really is. As we are consumed with our master. Matchless worth of our Lord and Savior. Don't, don't make a mistake here. Heaven is a great reward. That's what the scripture teaches. It is. It's a great reward. It is a desire of our soul and even the scripture would teach that man is the supreme object of God's creation. But even heaven 
and man are simply creations of the supreme creator. And it all exists for God's glory because he is the goal of creation. Everything is under him. Everything exists through him. Everything, even in heaven, exists for him. I read the following this week. It is a narrow philosophy that teaches all things were made for man. A narrow philosophy. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 says, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. We are built for God's glory. Church, that's, if you are a Christian, you are built, your life is bent, it is meant for the glory of God that would lead to the good of man. Our lives should have a focus every day we wake up that it should count for something more than just what we want to accomplish that day. Because we are created beings, just like everything else that is meant to give glory unto God, the only pure and perfect one. That is where our life fully counts. And I hope we get it, just a glimpse of it before we go on in. Heaven is beneath him, through him, for him, and finally, heaven is with him. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm about to read a bunch of scriptures to you. And it's on purpose, so don't check out. Make a note and listen to the point that I'm making because when you read the scripture about what heaven is like, the Bible over and over again speaks of heaven in terms of these two words, with him. With him. Listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. Some of these you'll recognize. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. Some of you may know that one as this, to be absent with, from the body is to be present with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and then we will be with the Lord forever. During the upper room discourse, Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 3, When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. In John chapter 17, verse 24, Father, I want these whom you've given to me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Jesus said to the thief on the cross who professed faith, Would you remember me today when you come into your kingdom? Jesus said to him, what? Today I assure you, you will be with me in paradise. Revelation 21.3, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And that's the ones, those last two, where he says there'll be no more sorrow, crying, and pain. And then we hear that word paradise. Those are the ones that we're like, that's it. That's what I want to hear right there. Those are the ones that I love the most. Those are the ones I love when they're quoted at funerals. But you've got to understand, there is no paradise there is no absence of pain. There is no more idea of no more sorrow if there is no with him. See, don't miss that part which precedes all the others that we hold dear. Today, what we should understand is when Jesus says to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise, we should treasure the two words with me as much as we do paradise. 
That as we think of a place of no more sorrow and no more tears and no more crying or pain or death, those things don't happen apart from God and His new creation, new heaven, new earth. Those things are only with Him. And that's how good He is. That's how powerful, almighty, all glory should go to Him He is. I read this this week, heaven is not heaven without Jesus. It is better to be in any place with Jesus than to be in heaven without him. And that's so good. Heaven is beneath him. Heaven is through him. Heaven is for him. Heaven is with him. Y'all, this is not stuff I'm making up. This is from the Bible that you're reading. In eternity, there is no need for a church building. Y'all, I read this this week. Just... Man, open my eyes to some things that I need to see of the value and the greatness and the majesty of God. In heaven, there will be no churches. There will be no temples. There will be no sanctuaries. There won't even be a light bill. You know how I know that? There'll be no need for a church building because his presence will shine and fill the heavens and the earth. The Bible says in Revelation 21, 22, I saw no temple in the city. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. Gosh, I'm I'm with you. Right now, if you're thinking like, what does that look like? That would be in my notes as well. It's it's hard for us to even conceive that and how, how magnificent that is. But the point is, is that all of that happens because God will be with us and we'll have communion with God nearer and dearer and closer than we have ever dreamed of. So all of the questions of our heart about what will be there, who will be there, what's it going to be like, I'm just trusting that in the presence of the Lord, it's all going to be good, man. It's hard to imagine it, though, really. Have Have you ever thought about the best day that you've ever had? Seriously, have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought about the best day that you've ever experienced? Maybe you got four or five in mind that reached the top rankings or whatever, but even that day had the threat of danger. Even that day had the absence of perfection. There was a bad attitude here, a problem there. Even that day could have been better. And even if that day was the best day that your feelings may have ever had, that day still may have not mattered towards what God values. It's just the day that we consider our best day. You see, everything we've experienced, ever experienced, has been lacking because of the curse of sin in creation. But Jesus has been and is working to make all things new. And one day, in the presence of Jesus, all will be light and all will be right because of the presence of God. So if heaven is beneath him, and heaven is through him, and heaven is for him, and heaven is with him, go to him. Go to him. Seek him because he can be found. The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 4 verse 12, there is no one else that has the name of salvation salvation is in no one else listen to this and you know this god has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved you see if you ask the question is heaven for us honestly 
Biblically, it's for Jesus, but God allows us to eternal life, so go to him. Go to him. He's the only way that you're getting in because he is the one that heaven is for to begin with. And he is the only one with the credentials. He is the only one with the finished work that has made a way for our forgiveness because he is the only one that is the pure and perfect sacrifice of blood that God would have so that it would pardon our sin for entrance into heaven before a holy God. He is the answer to that system of sacrifice. If you want to go to heaven, you must be saved because we all have sin. And to be rescued from the wrath of God because of that sin, you must put your faith and your life in Jesus Christ. That's it. There is no second name, y'all. It's certainly not your own. There is no name here. There is no name in India There is no name in Mexico. There is no name in Texas. There is no name in West Limestone. There is no name in Tanner. There is no name in your neighborhood under heaven by which you must be saved outside of the name of Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. So if heaven is beneath him, through him, for him, and with him, go to him. What happens during an invitation, during a church service, is I know that sometimes the word has been preached, the spirit of God's working in your heart, you know you need to be saved. I guarantee you there's full-grown, full-blooded men here that need to give themselves to the Lord. But what happens at that moment is that while we know his name is the only name that will save us, we still put our pride in our name above his. That's what happens. Because we're just hoping that we're good enough to get us in. Did you hear what I said? You're not. I'm not. The best people I know need Jesus. Go to him. Finally, finally live for him. This is the part, if you you are a follower of Jesus, if God has saved you by his grace through faith in Jesus, live for him. You see, once you know what life is for, you can begin to live it. Once you know what heaven is for, you can begin to live it. Romans chapter 14, verse 7, 9 says this, 7 through 9. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. Listen to the temporary part and the eternal part. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. If we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be both Lord of the living and the dead, to be Lord over us all forever. You see, some treat Jesus like He's the guy that just gets you into the party. If you died tonight and you stood before God and God says, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you tell him? Well, I'd just tell him Jesus. Jesus is getting me in. Awesome. But sometimes, sadly, that's all we know of Jesus. Oh, yeah, Jesus, right, died on the cross for my sins. When I was little, I prayed a prayer. Y'all, this is our Lord, our King, our Savior, We were created, saved, sanctified for his glory. I know it's hard for all of us to get outside of ourselves just for a blooming minute. But all of this is not about our name. Our entire life is built for the glory of God. When more and more in all of the church gets this, we're going to see things flipped upside down. Because we are living for a greater character, a greater morality, We are living for the Lord and Savior who makes everything right, who brings it all together and makes everything make sense. 
He is not just your Savior. You don't call upon the name of the Savior to be saved. You call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. He has saved us to take us over. But if we do that, then what does that mean? Yes, it may mean that you've got to flip your life upside down because the way it's going does not bring him honor. It does not bring him glory. You are living for yourself. Your name is the highest name, but Jesus is going to get me in. How selfish is that? You see, that is often the reason why we think about heaven in our terms. We want to go to heaven and experience it like we like it. Jesus, we just need you to get us in. Man, come on, right? You see, heaven is a gathering that Jesus puts together. Heaven is a gathering that we get in by his work. Heaven is a gathering that we attend because of his glory. Heaven is a place where we are with him for the purpose of being with him. You see, we don't go in and say we get in because of Jesus and then we go on over here and eat and drink and be merry. No, the one that gets you in is the one that it's all about. And it's not just about heaven, it's about life. And I think when we align our life with Jesus as our Lord, we're going to see things a whole lot clearer with much perspective and purpose. And the sooner we realize that we're not the main character of the story of God, the better. Second Peter 3 says, with that, so grow, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd stand to your feet for just a moment. We have an invitation here where I'll be standing right down here. If you think to yourself, you know what, today I am interested in heaven. I want to be with God, and I don't have all of the questions answered, but I know I want to be on the right side of eternity. I want to be with God in the presence of God for all eternity. I do not want to be separate from him in my sin. If that's you today and you know it, humble yourselves before God, not before me. Humble yourself before God. Come on down here and say those five words, I need to be saved. Tell us, tell us, so that we can help you with that. And maybe today we need to respond in worship. We just need to respond with really, really worshiping God because now we've got a full glimpse of who he is. Do you need to be baptized? Do you need to take another step of obedience? Do you need to join the church? We want to have you here. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word. And God, I pray that we would take it not just into eternity, but that we would take it for now. That we would set our sights on the realities of heaven. God, as we live in this world, that we would live in it and light it up for your glory. Lord, that you would have more and more of our life so that our life may bring you glory, not to ourselves, but for you. We love you. We dedicate this time of invitation to you, Lord. We open this altar so that people would come and pray to you, O God. And Lord, that we would respond to what you're doing in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. This altar is here open for you.